You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks, we give you praise for the gift of this beautiful day, this opportunity to gather together this morning. I give you great thanks for those who are gathered here and the wonderful way in which you knit us together as your people. Um, we will reflect this morning on how you have come forth into the world in the gift of Jesus, your Son, how you extend yourself to us, how you call us into relationship with you and with one another. And I pray that as we reflect on that this morning, that by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit, you would uh, continue that good work in us. And this we ask in ourselves, we offer to you now in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll read and or uh, paraphrase for us as, as we go through, but we're in the fifth chapter of Mark's Gospel today. If you have your Bibles with you, we're in the fifth chapter of Mark's Gospel, and we, we had a couple of Sundays together, and we've been walking through Mark's Gospel, and I'll give a, just a super um, succinct summary of some of the things that we were talking about uh, previously and some of the things that we saw previously. But um, one of the things, I tell you, this has been fascinating to me recently thinking about this. Um, and, and, I, and I'd love for y'all's help in, 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 in fleshing this out and, and thinking about the Gospels and reading through the Gospels. One of the things that's been particularly noteworthy and interesting to me is basically the, um, the Bible is literature. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is, is this, not, not that it makes it any less true or authoritative. It is, it is true. It is authoritative. It's fascinating to think about, you know, for instance, Mark uh, in this instance, or, or John, or Matthew, or Luke, uh, whomever. But clearly, this is, this is a message that, um, that's the most impe- important message in the world. And so they take great care in the way that they, in the way that they communicate it. Um, but just like you know, Zach this morning or whoever is preaching or teaching, you know they uh, they they take care in the way that the the presentation, the sermon, the teaching, whatever it is, is arranged, uh, and, and and themes which continue throughout, and the way that they the way that one example comes before another point, the way that all this fits together to convey a truth that might take root with you and with me. And one of the things that's interesting about Mark's gospel, we talked a little bit about one the understanding of discipleship and and the understanding of discipleship um, is following Jesus along the way proximity to Jesus uh, being in relationship with Jesus and it's and it's not having all the answers and and will and it's not having it all um, together and, and perfect comprehension but it's entering into that relationship with Jesus and following him along the way and certainly we see that throughout all of the Gospels encounters with Jesus um, provoke a response one way or the other. Um, they're, 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 they're not, it's, it's, it's not a matter of indifference in encounter with Jesus. Uh, it, it, it forces people's hands to respond one way or another. And of course, some people will see, will respond perhaps negatively initially, but will come around. Uh, but we see that it provokes uh, a response from people. But we see in Mark's gospel this uh, understanding of, of Jesus uh, the necessity to follow him and to be with him um, along the way, and that uh, the work of God is something, uh, particularly in discipleship, is something which happens over time. 
Uh, and we started off with the parable of the seeds. And one of the things about the seeds, the sower sows the seed. The sower scatters on the seed. And in some ways, it's graciously indiscriminate. Um, the way that God uh, scatters seed on all sorts of ground. And, and of course, seeds go into the ground. And there's a certain amount of, um, there's a certain amount of, of, of growth that happens that we don't see. Um, that's, that's in some ways uh, mysterious to you and to me. It's, just, it's, it's happening. God is bringing it about, um, but, but we don't see it. And the other thing that we talked about um, thematically is um, what is called the sandwich technique. And we'll see this some as we're, as we're going through, particularly in, in chapter 6, how Mark will insert uh, basically a story within stories to shed light on the whole. Um, that'll insert something to shed light um, on the whole. And the last time we met, again, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, we looked at um, Jesus healing the Gerasene demoniac, the man with many demons, and we, set, we saw the ability of Jesus um, to address the storms of this life that are external and internal. Uh, right before that, Jesus um, stills the waters um, of the sea, and the and the the disciples are amazed. Who then is this? Um, who then is this that even um, the wind and the waves obey him? And he steps off on the shore, and it's the Gerasene demoniac with the man with the legion of demons, um, and that harrowing account. And we see at the end of it that uh, for this man, it was an internal storm. Uh, and again, you, that's something we can all relate to, right? Experiencing external storms in our lives and experiencing internal storms in our lives. And, you know, I, I, would, I would say that often it's the internal storms that are much more difficult than the external ones. Um, but we find, amazingly, that the man is um, clothed and in his right mind, uh, and the people are afraid, and they ask Jesus to leave. And the man, of course, wants to go with Jesus. And Jesus says no. And this is it's a fascinating um, example of what um, evangelism looks like. Because uh, interestingly, in Mark's gospel, this man uh, is, is really kind of Jesus' first evangelist um, that he sends forth. But listen, and I think this is good for you and for me to reflect on, what does it look like um, to be a follower of Jesus? What does it look like to be an evangelist for Jesus? And let me pause there for just a second. Um, what, what are some of your thoughts on that? Uh, sort of the way it's often portrayed to you, either positively or negatively, or... or or indifferently? What, is, what does it mean to be sort of a, a follower of Jesus, an evangelist of Jesus? And if you will speak one at a time, that'd be better. Um, so, um, or, or what are some of the things, what are some things that perhaps that you hear sometimes maybe that aren't helpful or, or incorrect assumptions of what it means to be a follower and an evangelist for Jesus? Yeah. Uh, it's not about you know all of the distractions and and uh, things uh, that uh, that we're surrounded by. It's, it's just I mean it really is just purely about Jesus mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, for yourself and for the people that you're uh, you know evangelizing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of that I must decrease and uh, and he must increase. The yeah. the yeah the the the, the John the Baptist, and of course we all, uh, we all, we all struggle with that. Um, there's a wonderful, um, 
uh, Chad of Litchfield was a, a, a British bishop back in the day, seventh century uh, England. The uh, Pope sent uh, his emissaries to England to sort of clean things up, and the Pope's emissary told Chad that he had been ordained irregularly and he needed to um, relinquish his role as bishop. And you know, you uh, you think about, you put yourself in, in his shoes and of course uh, your first response is, well, who do you think you are? Um, you know, who are you to say? But I love Chad's response to that was, well, I never consider myself worthy of it in the first place. You can have it. <laughs> and that was his, his, actually, I didn't want it in the first place. I'd never considered myself worthy of it. Please um, take it back. And um, interestingly, Augustine was the emissary which had been sent. Uh, clearly must have been a wise man because he says, wait a minute, we could use a few guys like you. Um, and so saving face, he said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to reordain you and assign you over here, but we could use some guys. But I mean, that was one of those, that, but the... Um, the, the collect appointed for the day in which we remember Chad of Litchfield says, uh, keep us, we pray thee, of thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, and, and ready at all times to step aside for others that the cause of Christ might be advanced. Um, so it's kind of a, yeah. Um, uh, Chad is one of those rare individuals that says, you know, I'm really more interested in the cause of Christ being advanced than, yeah. Um, you, you mentioned the follower <clears throat> Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to agree with the person. Yeah. There are many people that followed yeah. Jesus around. That's a good point. Exactly. Yeah. Disciples. So maybe the distinction between a disciple and a follower. That's a, I think that's a great that's a great point, a great distinction, particularly in today's parlance, thinking about, yeah, you can be a follower of someone on social media and what have you, um, or, you know, a and follower of... Know t- them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um you know, or following different, uh, to a point, uh, teachings, etc. cetera. Uh, absolutely, that's a great, uh, that's a great point. I, I love, um, I'm going to read to you here. So, what Jesus tells um, the man is, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So, I think that's helpful to you and to me as we think about, I guess part of what I'm, uh, thinking, I think some of the, what sometimes gets in the way for us is what are people going to think? How are they going to respond? Um, or uh, I, I can't articulate it well enough, um, but, but that's not what's given here. <laughs> Go and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Uh, so is a great beginning. Tell that guy to go and explain the 39 articles of religion to everybody they met. Maybe maybe Mark just didn't record that. Uh, yeah, exactly. You don't have to have the perfect grasp of all this, but it's just like, all right, uh, well, it's you know, amazing grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Um, and I think that's the beginning place for you and for me in, in sharing. It's to say, you know, I've, I've, it certainly has been the case in my life. Uh, un, unmerited love and mercy, uh, just gracious pursuit, um, uh, and the ability, uh, the ability to share that. Mm-hmm. Or knowledgeable of the scriptures or yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, God works through our weaknesses. Indeed. Uh, if you go out to evangelize, you almost have to be, uh, be confident that, that 
poor abilities that are communicating, but it's the the Holy Spirit working through you. And and Dean, I mean, one of the things, like for instance, um, for for preachers, there's a lot of great, there's there's the challenge, and and this applies to all of us, um, you can listen to great preachers, um, and you definitely want to learn from them uh, and draw from them, but at the same time, you it's it's a train wreck when you try to preach like them. <laughs> you know, if I try to, whatever, you know, if I try to be Tim Keller or if I try to be Robert Smith, it's like, it's not going to end well. Uh, it's just like, that's not going to, you know, it's it, it finding, it, it's funny. I mean, maybe, but yeah, communicating it in our individual voice. I mean, certainly learning from and drawing from, but the importance of it coming out in our uh, individual voice. And and I think also, um, wonderfully, God, for you and for me, God equips us in some ways. We're, we're more equipped often. We, we love to, God can do whatever God wants uh, and enable us to connect with whomever. But oftentimes there are people with, with whom we just we connect more naturally. Um, that, that's more of our effective evangelistic range, if you will, are people that we, yeah, I think that's often the case. And that's not a bad thing to say they're those that I more naturally connect with and communicate with. Well, let's move into um, uh, five here. We we have two instances of healing. Uh, Well, we actually have three uh, in chapter five. We, uh, the last round we covered uh, the Gerasene demoniac. Um, But this is one of those, uh, once again, where uh, some, uh, a story is inserted within this. It's it's kind of long, but let me just go ahead and read all of it. I think it's. Uh, well, I don't think I know it's important. So let me let me read all of it here, and if you will, uh, bear with me. And when Jesus had crossed again uh, in the boat to the other side, because uh, you remember the the people there asked Jesus to leave after the pigs went after the demons went into the pigs and the pigs ran into the sea and the man who had previously been bound was now free. They said, all right, could you please leave? Um, this, is, this is too much. And so Jesus crosses over from there. And he, and he travels uh, uh, away from a more Gentile region and into a more Jewish region. Not that any of these are perfectly distinct, but now we're going back into a more Jewish region. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. 
And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was twelve years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this. And he told them to give her something to eat. A number of things to say, but uh, first uh, to all gather here, any immediate, any immediate reactions to that, what, whatever they may be? Reactions, questions, thoughts? In a way, it would seem that her touching the garment would, what did it mean? Does it do with your faith that made mm-hmm. you well? Mm-hmm. I mean, she touched out in faith, but it wasn't yeah. her touching that, that made her hmm. well. That's a good point, Tommy. But power did go out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ab- 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 absolutely. Yes, right. Well, and it's also not even her faith in verse 20, um, 28. If she had a sense, if I touch his garment, I will be made well. Mm-hmm. Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. That she had was given to her that idea of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Uh, I appreciate your sharing that because I, I, you know, it's. I. I I wrestle, uh, and again, this is, uh, I'd love for us to you know, reflect on this together. A thing for us to talk about is, is faith. Um, and because one of the things that we see, it's, it's held out to us as something which is vital. Um, and it's something that Jesus calls, certainly very specifically here, he calls people to faith. And interestingly, right after this, uh, we're going to read in 6 how Jesus goes to his hometown and, and we're told that he marvels uh, at their lack of faith, uh, their hardness of heart and their, and their, and their lack of faith. And, and I would say also, uh, and this is to some degree an aside, but I think helpful, even, even Jesus rode the roller coaster. Um, you know, people were you know, marveling at people's faith and marveling at their uh, unbelief, uh, the, you know, Things going well, things going um, terribly. All that emotional um, roller coaster we, we see Jesus experiencing as well. One of the things in Mark's gospel, Mark is is um, unafraid to present Jesus in his humanity and, and very clearly in his divinity as well. But Mark is, is very unafraid. But yeah, the talking about faith, we, we hear about the importance of faith um, and we long for it and desire it. And yet we also hear about faith being a gift and thinking about faith being a gift, something that God um, gives to you and to me. Uh, and I think also there's the challenge when thinking about faith that we remember the importance of the object of the faith, because at least for me, I can get too caught up in how much faith I have 
I mean, it's so easy for me to basically turn everything to being about me. Um, how much, you know, how much faith do I have? And, and basically we can, you know, we can shame ourselves. You know, gosh, if I only, you know, I should have more. I wish um, I had more if um, I, I had more. But we hear about faith being a gift as well. So it's, it's just interesting. We hear about people being called to faith, but it being a gift. Um, so anyway, that's clear, right? Um, well, juxtaposed yeah. up against a girl who's dead, who can't reject. I mean, that's a, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, her faith didn't raise her. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the very last words in that section kind of struck me too, where it says, and, and told them to give her something to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, because when, when he himself, is resurrected and appears to the disciples. Yeah. Like, Y'all got something to eat? And he eats a piece of fish. Right. Well, you know, in some ways that seems to sort of reinforce the fact that this really is a bodily, physical resurrection and it's not mm-hmm. just some astral plane, spiritual, yes. high in the sky thing. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it's real. Yeah. And, uh, Absolutely. It's physical. One of my favorite quotes. Um, uh, Tom Wright, N.T. Wright, is an Anglican bishop, uh, was Bishop of Durham, and uh, is a sort of historian, theologian, biblical scholar, etc. Um, but uh, in one of his books, he talked about how, being, particularly being a historian and academic, people come up to him basically sort of nudge, nudge, wink, wink, you don't really believe in Jesus, do you? Or, or basically the way that he's you know, presented in certain Christian circles. <laughs> and, and his response was, we said, well, you know, you basically said, you know, people often ask me, you don't really believe in God, do you? And it's like, well, if you mean God as a vaguely beneficial gas, then no, um, I, I don't believe in that God. But he's like, if you if if you ask me if I believe in God um, with the human face, crowned with thorns, who rolls up his sleeves and enters into the world uh, in, a, in a saving way, then yes, um, I believe in that God. And he also goes on talking about people. Um, denying the resurrection, just saying, well, people didn't understand, um, they didn't have the knowledge, the science, et cetera, that we have now, the people in Jesus' day were, were different. And Wright's response to that, to your point, he said, the people of Jesus' day knew what dead was. <laughs> like, they, 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 were, they were more in touch with dead than we were. They, they knew, yeah, they, they, they knew dead, and they knew that dead people just didn't get up um, and walk around. They knew dead people didn't come out of the tomb after three days. Uh, so this whole, exactly, they didn't have our knowledge. It's like, no, 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 no. They, they knew dead. Yeah, our IQs have not increasingly gotten higher over the years. Right. You know, they've pretty much proven that. If anything, <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, interestingly, um, uh, they, yeah, the, the, the studies are such that, um, you know, the studies, like a politician, according to the studies, uh, <laughs> what studies? Just the studies, you know, just trust me on this. Um, but according to the, yeah, um, when we become a more literate society, our, our, often our memory decreases um, because we become more dependent. Uh, it's, I can at least say if the case study that's Craig Smalley, that's true. Um, but, but, you know, these, uh, the, the societies with oral tradition, their, their, their memories were infinitely better. I mean, they, they depended upon. Um, so oral tradition doesn't mean um, that the information conveyed is worse um, or, or less dependable. Um, and, and of course, you know, very much an oral tradition, but, but not without the written word as well. well. 
another uh, interesting thing about the, the evangelical the evangelical ideal is uh, is that uh, Jesus doesn't criticize people. I mean, it, you start with a demon possessed man, and you start with a woman who's basically dying, and then you start with a woman who is dead. Mm-hmm. And um, we don't know why God calls us. Yeah. We don't know why the people that we you know preach the gospel to are being called. We don't know what God's going to use them for. So for us to say, oh, it's this is our God. Mm-hmm. The, the message here is that, is that no. Absolutely. There's, there's no healing that does that. No, that's a, that's a that's a great point. I mean, you're, there's no place where one is too far gone and and God. Um, is unwilling or unable to heal. And that's actually, I appreciate your sharing that. That's one of the chief things I wanted to highlight here in chapter 5. And I I think we can can readily relate um, to these situations in in that. um, A couple of things I think that it it highlights. One is human inability and limitations. Or if you don't want to say human inability, human limitations. I mean, we we see human... Limit limitations here. I mean, one of the uh, we see Jairus, uh, who was the ruler of the synagogue, and and kind of what that means. You know, in some ways, it would kind of equate to our um, junior and senior warden, uh, the 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 quote ruler of the synagogue. Basically, what that person was responsible for was the care of the synagogue, the arranging of you know the the, the care for the facility, who would be reading, who would be. Um, preaching, etc. So, in many ways, kind of an organizational administrative role, the the ruler of the of the synagogue. But a, but it's still, I mean, a person of some uh, of some note uh, in a in a community, and we we see his uh, inability, his limitation, uh, and his and his desperation. You know, I mean, uh, if you don't just have to have a child, but yeah, if you if you have children, and you you know, just the uh, the gift that they are, but also the way in which it can highlight for you how limited you are. Um, and children are a gift from God, and children will also drive you to despair <laughs> as, as well. They'll they'll give you the, the full emotional spectrum, um, and and you know it, it 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 doesn't stop as 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 they age. That they can continue to do that. And certainly the woman um, with the flow of blood. I mean, how desperate was her situation and and mark really just hammers this uh there was one who had a discharge of blood for 12 years Uh, imagine uh, you know an an illness for for 12 years and also in that in that society in that culture in that in that place not only would just sort of painful and 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 inconvenient but as well it would make her you know that was uh, the you know clean and, and unclean was it was a huge deal so she would have been ostracized as well so it wouldn't have just been the physical suffering which would have been immense and and you know just the just the despair of its ongoing nature but the way that it would ostracize and isolate her um, and that's you know that's as you know that's that's a hard thing when we feel ostracized and, and isolated and I think that's often one of the works of our enemy um, is to make us feel um, isolated um, from the from the community, but he really, I mean, he, he hammers down. I mean, not only was it 12 years, but she had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather um, grew worse. Um, so we, we begin desperation, uh, inability, um, the, the 
limitations of, of the human condition. And again, wonderfully, we see Jesus' response. Jairus um, comes to Jesus. Jairus, Jairus, um, J, um, comes to Jesus um, and, with, and, and implored him earnestly. I mean, he, we, he fell at the feet of Jesus. Um, and all, <laughs> I, I think in God's graciousness, and you're welcome to agree or disagree, one of the things that often brings about faith for you and for me is desperation. Um, uh, it's, uh, or or uh, if, if you don't want to go that far, call it limitation, where it's just like, all right, I've, I've exhausted. Uh, and, you know, with the woman here, uh, how many times have you and I, in the human condition, uh, the first thing we do is exhaust all of our avenues before we begin to turn. It's like, all right, I've got to I have to exhaust every um, avenue possible before um, <laughs> um before uh, I'll, I'll try, before I'll try Jesus. Um, but we see the, the the desperation as he as he falls at at Jesus's feet. I mean, this is a uh, I mean, even in today's time. But I mean, this was a culture very concerned with 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 honor, and clearly he doesn't care about that. Uh, he's 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 concerned for his daughter, um, and and we see his recognition that there's something dramatically different about Jesus. And, and, and wonderfully, I mean, Mark says this succinctly, and he went with him. Jesus went with him. I, that's, that, that's significant, um, that then and there. He, he comes to Jesus, and Jesus doesn't put him off. Um, Jesus goes with him. But of course, uh, as he's going along, um, he's interrupted. And I, to me, I just think it's humorous. I, I like the, uh, uh, the, the humor in this. When Jesus says, someone touched me, his disciples are like, you got to be kidding me. Um, we're, we're in a crowd and everyone is pressing in on you. What do you mean? What do you mean? Who touched you? Who didn't touch you? Uh, is, is, is basically what they say um, to Jesus. <laughs> Who didn't touch you um, at this time? But it's interesting, isn't it? That, that Jesus recognized um, that power had gone out from, that power had gone out from him. Uh, there was, there, there was, a, there was the recognition of that. But also we see, and y'all are welcome to, uh, to comment on this, but, but we see wonderfully um, the nature and the character of God is that uh, Jesus, uh, it wasn't as if he felt um, uh, upset, you know, now I have less power. Um, I'm pretty sure those batteries recharged right away. Um, but he wanted to offer her more than just a physical healing. Uh, there was, uh, he wanted to offer, of course, ultimately the healing that the relationship with him will bring. Um, more than just uh, physical healing, but a spiritual, emotional, a, a mental healing, really an, uh, a, a, total, uh, a total restoration. Um, and you, know, one, you might imagine, once again, faith, faith compelled her, but she didn't have all the answers or all together, but there was that realization that I, I should go to him, um, that, that realization that I should, that I, I, there's a lot of things I don't know, but, but I, should, uh, I should go to him because I, 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 I believe, I hope, it seems to be true that it, uh, if, if I just touch his garment, um, then, then I will be restored. Uh, one of my favorite novels, um, uh, have any of y'all ever read any Wendell Berry? Um, and you know, that's fine. We know you have. I was gonna. I was. I was gonna say. I usually expect crickets. Um, have you ever, uh, Danielle Steele. Um, anybody? You know. I don't know. Have y'all read any? Um, so, but yeah. 
But anyway, when, when, Wendell Berry, but uh, this is one of my faves, uh, uh, Jaber Crow is, but when he, uh, one definition of faith at one point, uh, the main character, uh, Jaber says, but faith is not necessarily or not soon a resting place, uh, is, is what he says. It's, it's interesting. But faith is not necessarily or not soon a resting place. Faith puts you out on a wide river in a boat, um, in the fog, in the dark, uh, even a man of faith knows that we've all got to go through um, enough to kill us. But this idea of faith in some ways, I mean, faith, I think, is so many things. Sometimes faith is a tremendous comfort to you and to me, but it's also sometimes faith compels us. Uh, it, you know, it, 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 it pushes us out of the comfortable. Uh, sometimes faith comforts us and sometimes faith pushes us out of um, the comfortable. And I think we see one of those instances here with this woman. Um, faith pushes her out. Um, to, to risk um, going out into the crowd uh, and to risk um, reaching out and touching Jesus' garments with the belief um, that, that healing will go forth. And of course, in the midst of all of this, um, probably to the exasperation of Jairus, uh, Jesus um, stops. Uh, wonderfully, we see God's timing uh, in all of this, but also um, there, there's not the same... There's the realization in Jesus's timing that um, kind of the point that was made earlier, I'm not going to get there too late. Um, uh, I think at least I can, maybe you can as well, can get anxious about we need to hurry, hurry, hurry. And in fact, I remember one time uh, uh, my bishop, Ed Salmon, mentioning that that sort of when he gets anxious, uh, he intentionally makes himself go slower rather than faster, uh, which is... (laughs) He was a wise man, I think is a wise word, uh, rather than forcing himself to go faster in times of anxiety, intentionally slows himself, um, slows himself down. But, but Jesus doesn't have the, he's not bound in the same way that we're bound. Uh, his, his power is not limited. Uh, we, we see him pause in order that this woman might be brought into a more genuinely fully healing relationship. Um, and of course we see it in those words, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. He is restored in a way beyond just the physical. And of course, the, the words come, yeah, they, he's, you know, he's dead. Um, so don't even, uh, don't even bother. And it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, what he says in 36, when they ever heard what uh, Jesus said to the world of synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Um, do, not, do not fear, only believe. One of the things that we note as well is when Jesus goes in, um, the, the the, the weeping and the wailing, and there was, you know, at that time and that custom, you would have the, uh, the, the mourners who would specifically come in to weep and to wail, to, to pull the attention and the distraction uh, away from you. Um, and of course, they, they laugh at Jesus uh, when he said that she's not dead, but sleeping. Um, they, yeah, um, they, they laugh. <laughs> and wonderfully, we'll see that ultimately the resurrection will laugh at death. Um, uh, this is a moment where, where they laugh at him, but Jesus uh, will, will show. But uh, it's interesting. One of the things that's noteworthy, and beginning back in 5, when this man comes with Jesus to Jesus with the legion of unclean spirits, there's no um, magical formula. There's no incantation, but the word of Jesus is authoritative and effective. Uh, and, and we mentioned one of the things that, throughout this chapter is is human need and inability and human limitation and we see 
not only the, the ability of God, but the desire of God that we might be healed and we might be restored. And with the man with the demons, Jesus said simply, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. That, that, that was it. Uh, and for the girl who's dead, what does he say? Little girl, I say to you, arise. The, 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 the compassion and the mercy and the power and the authority. There's no incantation. There's no um, all of this. It's just uh, there, there, there it is. Uh, there it is. That, that, that power is revealed. And I would encourage you and me to remember the, the power and the authority of those words in our lives as well. Um, it doesn't have to be uh, one, I think, one of the most uh, effective prayers. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Um, uh, simple prayers can be um, very effective. The, the, the Word of God in this instance um, has, has power to accomplish its purposes. As the Scripture notes, uh, it does not return empty, but accomplishes that which it purposes. Uh, and, and we see that. And then the curious, he, he strictly charged them to tell no one. Uh, he strictly charged them that no one should know this. Um, well, of course, one, good luck, right? Um, you know, what's, what's the quickest way to get something out? Don't tell anyone. Um, so, but, and, and the word spread. People often puzzle about why, um, why this um, call to silence. There's been different things ventured to me. One is a matter of timing. Um, and, and the opposition that will, uh, that will come to Jesus. One is uh, when he uh, tells the demons not to say anything, uh, the obvious that they're not to be a spokespeople. Um, but beyond this, one of the things that's uh, premised, and I think this is likely in Mark's gospel, is that there's a temporary command of silence. Why? Because they can't really know Jesus until they see him and understand him through the lens of the cross and the resurrection. Uh, it's not until Jesus is understood. And we see, we see that even with his closest followers. It's not until they can see him through the lens of the cross and the resurrection um, that um, they're able to speak. And then let's read this in uh, 6, 6-1. And he went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. Any immediate reaction to that? <clears throat> and we also marveled at the faith of the centurion, who was a total outsider and, mm -hmm. and not Jewish at all. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or you have to give up everything and leave everybody and go your own path. And um, this is each person telling them something different, mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. Go tell everybody what the 
Yeah, yeah. Don't do anything. Right. Uh, or just the woman with the uh, discharge dried up. Mm-hmm. You know, just go in peace. Yeah, yeah. And, and her being entered back into society after she's been yes. cast out is going to yes. be witness. Another, that's going to be a witness. No. And, and then he's teaching, going out and teaching when yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, it's a, one of our ministries here is uh, the Advent House Prayer Ministry, and I and I love that. I love that ministry, and there are certain uh, commonalities and themes with with each session in some way. But um, one of the amazing things, and I've 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 been for prayer personally. I've I've been an intercessor for people who've come for prayer, and so I've sort of experienced it through the different avenues. One of the things that's amazing about that place is that each time, one of the things that's conveyed, and again, sometimes it's more earth-shattering, and sometimes it's not, but it's 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 encouraging. But one of the things that's uh, interesting is that uh, one of the things I see every time is the way that God speaks specifically to people, um, and and it's and one of the things that's conveyed is that that God knows us personally uh, and actually has a love and a concern for us personally. And I appreciate what you share because one of the things we see is, yeah, I mean, it's it's not cookie cutter. I mean, there, there are certain truths which are conveyed throughout, but but the way that he responds to people differs. Uh, he, he comes and speaks to people specifically in their situations um, and in their moments. And I, and I think that's one of the things that's uh, phenomenal about the character and the graciousness of God. One of the things I think that's interesting about that, you know, I, 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 you know, we, you know, we we hear the kind of the disparaging comment about can anything good um, come out of Nazareth? Um, but interesting, some of the commentary on it. I mean, Nazareth really was. Um, it kind of sounds kind of nice, but I mean, it's kind of nothing. It really was kind of a, a nowhere. <laughs> it was really, a, it really was a nowhere place. Uh, when they talk about that, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a. It really was a small place. I mean, understandably, that the people would be like, you know what, really, someone out of Nazareth? Um, that you know, that 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 can't uh, that that can't be. But we also see the resistance of Jesus's own people to him. And of course, Mark's gospel, we see the resistance of his family um, to Jesus. Sometimes it's the resistance of his closest followers, his disciples. And and in this instance, we see the resistance of the people there. One of the things I think this uh, kind of an intriguing thing. Um, and again, unique about Mark, um, and he could do no mighty work there, um, ex- except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Actually, I would consider that a huge win in my ministry. Uh, but this is Jesus we're, we're, we're talking about. But isn't that interesting that Mark says, um, it, and he could do no mighty work there. Uh, so we, we've, been, we've been talking about faith, and it's about God, and it's not about you and me. Amen. Uh, and and yet there is uh, there's the importance of faith in relationship and response to Jesus. Uh, he marvels at the lack of faith uh, among these people. But I, one of the things I think is is helpful for us to note and reflect on when when we think about this encounter with Jesus in his in his hometown and their uh, and their resistance um, uh, and their resistance to him is that. In, in some ways, they were offended how, at how common Jesus was. 
they were offended how common Jesus was. And I, and I think that's a trapping for you and for me as well. Don't we often want God to move in spectacular ways or through spectacular people? <laughs> and, and sometimes it offends us the way that God moves through people that aren't spectacular um, or responds to our situation in a way that just seems more common. Uh, and we can be like, well, that, you know, that's not fantastic enough. I, I think this is something that applies to you and to me as well. They were offended um, at how common Jesus was. They, they were resistant to the way that God chose to move. Um, and, and in many ways, they were, they were no different than all the other people that wanted spectacular signs and wonders. Um, uh, mercy and pity. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Sight. So that's a that's a great yeah. Whose almighty power is shown chiefly in mercy and pity. Um, I mean, just yeah, this compassion, this kindness. Um, yeah, things that in many well, it's the beatitudes, right? You've got a story that that's a perfect illustration of that, and I can't remember the exact details. Mm-hmm. You were like at the end of your rope about something, and I don't know whether it was financial or some other. It's thing. a lot of stories. You yeah. You, you went finally in desperation. You went to see somebody, and they said, "Oh well, let's look at this." And they like pull the rabbit out of the hat and problem solved, right? Do you, do you remember what I'm talking about? Could be, yeah, abs- absolutely. Well, it could be any. Yeah, it definitely. It could be any number of stories. Um, like a banker or somebody. Yeah. Well, it's it was a friend of mine. Oh, um, that's it. Yeah, this one was a friend of mine, and he. Um, it was great because this is one of those. So. He and his family were moving away from Charleston back to Virginia, and they weren't able to sell their house. Last minute, were able to rent the house. He had they had four kids. Um, I could uh, this is unlike me. I could extend this story, but I won't. Um, but they had all these fiascos leaving. But they get a call, you know, a couple months later from the renters, and the house had termites. And my friend, of course, immediately went downhill. He calls me. We're talking about. This. He's like, Craig. Um, He's like, I, did, I didn't have the money to fix it. Um, and of course, not only, so he didn't have the money to, to fix it. And of course, what's the first reaction any of us have? Despair, shame, blame. You know, it's like we go to all those. You know, exactly, I'm ruined. Um, and that was it. He's like, we're going down. You know, we're, we're, we're going down and I'm such a loser. I should have had a plan. Da, 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 da. I shouldn't have let us get in this situation. Uh, and then he said, I know this is going to sound kind of cliche. He said, but I began to pray about it. Um, and he said, when I began to pray about it, I had a sense of peace. Um, and this is what I thought was so awesome. He said, he said Craig, it was as if I heard God saying to me, hey, I, I love you. I've always loved you. I've, I've always been with you. Uh, I'm always going to be with you. And this is what I thought was the classic thing, because this is true of all of us. He said, as if I heard God telling to me, saying to me, I'll give you the next step. I'll give you the next step. And again, I think that's so true and profound of faith is we have a shepherd who says, I'm with you and I'll go before you and I'll give you the next step. And of course, all of us want to know, I do, how it's all ultimately going to resolve. I want the final chapter. uh, But instead, God's saying, I love you. I've always loved you. I'll always be with you. I'll give you the next step. And this is the part of the punchline was, and he said, he kind of laughed as he told us, and the next step was, hey, call the bank. (laughs) But again, God working at a, in a kind of an embarrassingly common way, like, hey, instead of swirling, maybe call the bank. Um, and not shockingly, the bank's like, oh yeah, well, this has happened before. We can, you know, let's 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 work let's work this out. So he said, you know, it wasn't yeah, challenges, blah blah blah. But yeah, it was it was kind of those wonderful. So yeah, for you and for me, it's like, hey, um, 
don't begrudge God when he works in common ways. Don't uh, begrudge God when he speaks lovingly, graciously, simply um, to you and to me. And, and the realization that he will, he does love us. I mean, good grief. We've just heard three amazing examples of God's gracious love and care and speaking to people specifically in their situation. And, and what was too much for them wasn't too much for him. And we see God responding in this situation. And, and lastly, um, just as the final thing I'll say today before we go, a, a word to you and to me um, to have some grace with ourselves and our own inabilities. Um, uh, to have some grace with yourself and your own inabilities and the things that you can't fix in the moment in your life or in the lives of the people around you. Um, to have some grace with yourself in those situations because Jesus, if Jesus has a hard time in his hometown with his own people, maybe it's safe to say that you and I are going to have some challenges with the people around us. And sometimes there are going to be people in our lives that we love that we're not able to fix um, in, that, in that particular moment. Uh, and we're called to continue to love them, to pray for them, to be in relationship with them, but to have some grace uh, for ourselves when we run into situations that we can't fix or resolve. Uh, and to say that's, yeah, that's, that's part of the life of faith as well. Um, we're, we're called to, to follow and we're called to engage uh, and, and God is the provider of end results. Um, well, let us pray. Heavenly Father, for the gift of this time, I give you thanks and again, wonderfully for these people. Lord, you know, as, as we've read through the scripture this morning and, and encountered different people in their various situations, you know the situations that each of us grapple with. Uh, and the needs that we bring with us this morning. And I pray that you would wonderfully, graciously, amazingly um, speak specifically to each person gathered here uh, and, and the issues that are, um, that are right now upon their hearts and their minds, um, they're, they're the concerns which they have. I pray that you would wonderfully show yourself a good and gracious shepherd, that you might tune our hearts and our minds to the ways in which you're alive and active and in ways which are grand and in ways which are humble and that we would uh, have our, our hope and our faith fully uh, in you. This we ask ourselves, we offer in the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.